Welcome to Poets and Writers, WEHC 90.7, coming to you from the beautiful Emory and Henry College campus. And we have a treat for you today. We have Rosemary Harris on the program again. You heard her several weeks ago, and so this is a second interview with Rosemary, and we're going to talk about her husband, and we're going to talk about her early life, which we talked about before. We're also going to talk about some of the famous people that she knew And I think you're going to find that interesting and perhaps a few passages that she will recall in some of the plays or certainly in (laughs) Spider-Man's, she was Spider-Man's aunt and there is a great scene I'm going to ask her about when Aunt May is advising Spider-Man. I think that is a great interaction. But Rosemary, welcome back to the show. Rosemary Harris. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's good to be here. And we are happy to be here in your home here in Winston-Salem. And my wife, Patty, brought a painting by to you. Mm -hmm. And also, I did want to mention, we have a common friend, Frank Fry, who has eclectable, you say eclectable books? Electable. Electable. Electable books. Okay, absolutely. And I have purchased some of your husband's John's books there. Well, I'm very grateful to Frank because... I've just sold the big house that John and I lived in for 50 years here in Winston-Salem, and it was filled to the rafters with books. And uh, I suddenly had to sell the house, and I didn't know what to do with most of the books. But Frank came to my rescue, and uh, he was such a help. He brought his van, and we loaded up, loaded it up I don't know how many times. And I'm, I'm endlessly grateful to him. Well, listeners out there in the valley, this is WEHC 90.7, Poets and Writers, and if you come down around Winston-Salem, be sure to check out his bookstore because it's quite a bit, quite an experience. And now we want to get to Rosemary Harris. Rosemary Harris, talk a little bit about John Ely, and also you mentioned your previous husband. Would you talk a little bit about that? My first husband, his name was Ellis Rabb, Mm -hmm. and he was an only child and grew up and was born and grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, when he was a little boy, um, I think it was at Christmas, he was about four years old, and he was the only child on both sides of his family, the grandparents and this was all ended up in this one little boy. So on Christmas morning, the Christmas tree was covered in presents, all for him. And he opened one, I think it was a sleigh or something, but then over in the corner, he saw a sort of red box. And he thought he liked the look of that. And he went over and he pulled the paper off and he realized it was a little puppet theater. Yes. And he took one look at it and crawled inside. And he never came out. (laughs) Theater was his life. And he knew at the age of four that the theater was going to be there for him. And he he tells that story about his early childhood. Because he threw the puppets out. Puppets shouldn't be in there. And you met him. He wanted to be in there himself, so... Um, How did we meet? We met several times before we got to know each other. We both lived in Greenwich Village. I was yes. rent, we were both renting apartments, but they happened to be um, catty corner across from each other, on the other, each side of a little square called mm-hmm. Sheridan Square. And one day I was looking out of my window and I saw this very tall man, um, quite slender, and a little tiny black dachshund 
that he was walking round Sheridan Square. And I had left my dachshund behind in England mm. because of the quarantine laws. I realised I would, if I brought him to America, I would never have been able to take him back again. So I was in, in grief, missing my dachshund, and I saw this little black dachshund, and I thought, oh, I yearned after it, not knowing who it belonged to. And then I think later that summer, uh, we were both in two separate summer theatres, and we somehow got together. Um, I had lost my voice, so I wasn't supposed to be speaking. And Ellis was playing, it was, oh, the Shakespeare Company in Connecticut, and he was playing uh, the player King. <clears throat> I saw him sitting at the end of the table. So we didn't actually, we met each other, but we didn't speak to each other mm -hmm. because I had a, a bad throat. Um, and then I went to see another play there, which was A Midsummer Night's Dream, and Will Gear was in the play. Yes. And he was playing the moon. I mean, uh, he said, this is the moon. Uh, Peter Quince, I think he was playing the character. And he said, this is the moon, uh, this is my lantern, and this is my dog. And there was a little black dachshund under his arm. <laughs> and I went backstage afterwards, and I said, who did that dog belong to? And they said, an actor called Ellis Rabb. And I said, oh, can I go and see it? And so I went to his dressing room, knocked on the door, and there was a cacophony of barking inside. Nobody was there, and I opened the door, and there was this little black dachshund standing on the dressing table, guarding everything. And I burst into tears, of course, and hugged him. And that was that. that was and it. then the next meeting was a year later. And I never got to see Ellis. We never met. Mm. But a year later, I was doing a play on Broadway, I was playing Zelda Fitzgerald in um, uh, the play, it'll come back to me in a minute, with Jason Robots. Yes, anyway. Uh, and so I was all prettied up. I had beautiful blonde wig and, and everything, very pretty clothes. And Ellis uh, was the director who was going to be directing me in this summer play that we were both contracted to do. And he came back to meet me. And um, that was fine, but he didn't think I looked right for the part. <laughs> and he, um, he likes to tell this story because I was to play Beatrice in Much Ado yes. About Nothing. And he saw this rather brittle, over-made-up actress, and it wasn't his idea of Beatrice at all. But then later on, we both of us joined the company, this lovely theatre under the stars, it was called, at Wellesley. And um, the first rehearsal, he said, we, we, where, <clears throat> where's Miss Harris? We can't start without her. And they mm. said, she's already here. And he said, where? And they said, pointed to me. Sorry, I've got a frog in my throat. Yes. <clears throat> and there I was, completely different, no wig, no clothes. I was in shorts and a silly little red straw hat. And they said, that's Rosemary Harris over there. So <laughs> well, Rosemary, that was your first husband, and yeah. I know that you spoke highly of him and you I did, stayed that, in touch. We got married and, later that year. Yes, and then you you stayed in touch and you worked with him and mm -hmm. and uh, he sort of incorporated him into the family. Then you, you divorced and you met John Ely, of course, yep, yes. and he you told the listeners last time on Poets and Writers how you came to North Carolina and you wound up in a cabin in the mountains. That's where John was originally from Asheville, I think. 
So talk a little bit about John Ely now. Okay, in the, well, I'd love to do that. Yes. But let me just say yes, why, why Ellis came into, yes. became such a part of our family because when we actually separated and divorced, that was it. But then I was asked to do a play in London and the director fell out. And John, my husband at the time then, uh, said, why don't you ask Ellis to direct you? And I said, you wouldn't mind? He said, why would I mind? And so that was the first time John and Ellis met, and I sort of sat in between, and they liked each other immediately. But then Ellis got had to have a detached retina, though he never ended up directing the play. But the story is that Ellis stayed in our, in our, as a friend, and he directed me later in Streetcar and Merchant of Venice oh and things goodness. like that. But Jennifer was, yeah. in the meantime, growing up and knowing him, called him Uncle Ellis, and... One day, Ellis gave a party in New York for his friends who had children. Uh, Gwyneth Paltrow brought her two little kids, uh, uh, her mother, <laughs> Blythe. Dana brought Gwyneth and, and her brother, and, and, and there were several little children running around. And uh, Zoe Caldwell was there with her two little boys. And at one point, I was talking to Zoe Caldwell, and Jennifer came running up to me and said, Mummy, Mummy, Mummy. I said, what is it? She said, you weren't married to Uncle Ellis before you <laughs> married Papa, were you? <laughs> and there was so, a big silence, and then Zoe said, well, of course she was. Run along. I'm talking to your mother. So when she got, we got home that night, I knew it was coming, and as I was putting Jennifer to bed, I said, what is it, darling? She said, well, Mommy, I want to ask you something. If Uncle Ellis, if you... If, 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 if you were married to Uncle Ellis before you married Papa, I said, yes. But I said, that had nothing to do with you, darling. It was before I ever met Papa. And the more I tried to explain, the more her eyes filled with tears. Mm -hmm. And I said, what's wrong? And she said, you mean he's not... Oh, she said, yes, that's right. Is he my Papa too? And I said, no, darling, it's nothing to do with you. And then she started crying, and I said, what's wrong? And she said, you mean he's not my papa, too? And I said, no. And then she said, oh, but I would so much like him to be. Well, I just think this is a So she called him story. Papa, too. Papa, too. Till the end of his life. Well, and we're talking to Rosemary <laughs> Harris today, and she's talking about her daughter, Jennifer Ely, uh, as well. And that's such a sweet story. And I, one thing, I've gotten to know you briefly and listeners around the valley here i want you to know that rosemary harris is a positive person and it's just such a positive experience to meet and be around you and i think this story that you just told demonstrates the human connection and how we can maintain love i think mm -hmm. that is just very beautiful now you met john and so you you live you guys you were married how many years you and john i think 52 52 we'd be years. married still if john was still alive he, he, but alas i lost him in 2018 he passed away and all during this time he as he told you he's a mountain fellow so he <laughs> wants to stay here but you were doing uh, your plays and your movies and so on during that time. Now, how did that work out? Well, we both um, appreciated each other's careers. I loved his writing career, and I wrote to him uh, when we were separated briefly before we got married. I was still finishing the film in Paris, and I wrote to him, and I said, I don't want to mess up your life, because if you get married to me, is it going to 
be a problem, you know. But being a writer, he was able to put his pen in his pocket and, and come with me wherever I went. He would go with you. As long as there was uh, preferably mm -hmm. an old typewriter. But, but he, so we were able to travel always together, which was wonderful. Wonderful. And Jennifer was in school here during that time, or did she uh, travel with you as well? <laughs> uh, well she went to 18 schools. She went, uh, Jennifer <laughs> Ely went to 18 schools. Well, so she, she'll tell you. Yeah. Uh, she went for a job just where she was still in drama school in London, and she auditioned for this part. And she was just leaving when Peter Hall, the director, called mm -hmm. her back and said, come back, don't be in such a hurry. I want to ask you some questions. And so she came back and she said, what do you want to know? And he said, well, to start with, where did you go to school? And she said, I went to 18 schools. Yeah, <laughs> so he yeah. said, why? <laughs> why did you go to 18 schools? And she said, well, my mother's an actress. And then he said, would I know your mother? And she said, well, I think you might. Her name is Rosemary Harris. And he burst out laughing, and he lifted up a piece of paper, and he showed it to her. And what he had written was the voice of Rosemary Harris. He thought her voice sounded like uh, mine. mine. Uh, and yes, it was yes. just a pure, you know, well, amazing chance. And anyway, she, she got the part on her own. It wasn't well, anything to do with she, me. Certainly, and she, both of you have, have won uh, numerous awards, and um, both, I believe, she has won two Tonys or two Emmys? She's got two Tonys. Two Tonys, yes. and you have one Tony. No, actually, no. As of this year, I've got two. Oh, my goodness. It took a long time. Well, you just I got going. my first one in 60, what was it, 50-something? Yeah. I don't know. And, and you and got one this year for? For Lifetime Achievement. Oh, yes, absolutely, <laughs> because you are in the Hall of Fame, the Actors Hall of Fame. Well, I was in that yes. about 20 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. That's nothing to yes. do with the Tonys, though. Well, what I love about you is you started in London, and your career and how you became an actor is fascinating to me. And your training, I'm in awe of you. And I, I'd like to think that I got better training over across the road here at James A. Gray High School, which is now the School of the Arts, but I don't think I did, Rosemary. <laughs> and I thought the last interview when you said, I said that when I did Shakespeare, I sounded like Andy Griffith, and you said, oh, well, but if you were trained, you would leave with seven different dialects or mm -hmm. accents, right, when yeah. you're trained. So you were trained in, in London and came to the States, and we talked about that. Now let's talk about a bit about some of, we talked about Richard Burton. Talk a little bit about your association with Richard Burton. Well, I, I met him uh, by working with him mm -hmm. at a theater company in London called The Old Vic, um, which did Shakespeare. And I was cast as um, Desdemona opposite Richard. And so we got to know each other pretty well. Um, I was very fond of him. He was a very kind person. And I think I told you before yes. the story about my sister, did I? Well, we don't have... Go ahead and talk you about that. You want me to tell me that? Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that story again. Well, my older sister was eight years, nine years older than me, and her husband had been in the Royal Air Force, and he sadly died. He came through the war unscathed, but after the war he was killed in a plane crash um, and she sort of went to pieces. She got three small children, and the shock was so intense, she just sort of, you know, shook for, for a long time. And she went to live with my grandmother and my great-aunt in the country. 
for the longest time, and I was working in, in London. And finally, I thought it was time she came up to see me, but she always refused. But finally, I said, you must come. And she eventually agreed to. Well, I had told Richard this story about her being this young widow and the shock of, you know, getting Dick safely through the war and then this awful thing to have happened. He practically crashed in her front yard and the shock of that was so intense. But I said, she's coming up on the train tomorrow. <clears throat> and um, that's all I said. Well, she came to the canteen and uh, where we were having lunch or something and she was up a few steps and Richard saw her. She was looking down into the room to find me and he put down his knife and fork and he walked across the room and then he stepped up towards her and he lifted her up in his arms and he said, where have you been all my life? <laughs> oh, what a remarkable, what a... And it was like the fairy prince and the sleeping beauty because she woke Just, up yes. and uh, she went home to my grandmother yes. and she said, oh, Richard Burton, kiss me. Absolutely. And so life suddenly took on a rosier, sure. rosier yeah. hint for her. Yeah. So I was always very, very grateful to him. And Richard. you feel like he was a great actor, no doubt about He was it. a wonderful well, actor, yes. but a lovely person, mm -hmm. warm-hearted, mm -hmm. kind. I was very, very fond well, of him. Well, I'll um, name drop again, Elizabeth Taylor. Now, you, you knew Elizabeth. and how Yes, you... well, I had the pleasure of working with Elizabeth, my first film, Hollywood film, um, we played opposite each other. Uh, well, not quite. The characters weren't opposite each other. I was actually married to the Prince of Wales, who was George the George became George mm -hmm. the George the Fourth, I suppose he did. And Elizabeth was a lady in waiting, a lady in the court. But anyway, we we got to know each other. Um, she had a limousine, of course, to take out to the studio every day, and I would go out on the subway because I wasn't being paid as much, of course. And often she would give me a ride home in her limousine. Right. So we got to know each other. She was very kind as well. I remember once the director was causing trouble in the film, and um, she came to the actor's defense. I can't remember what it was about. But she, she was a great crusader. She, she fought for people. People, and I believe you said there was something about a salary gap that I, she, and there was something, she took yes. up for you yeah, all yeah, and, was, and wanted uh, you to have a pay raise or something. It was something. Yeah. I can't remember exactly what yeah. it was, but I don't think it involved me. It involved somebody, somebody else, but else. She, she went to hit their defense. She was always uh, doing know, that helping sort of thing, people. Yes. And then we met, you know, on different occasions through, through life, and I'm sorry that she's no longer here. Anthony Hopkins. Now, he's in the news. You know, I think this year, didn't he get an Academy Award? He sure he, did. And you um, called him Tony when we talked. Talk a yes. Little, talk how you first, <laughs> first met Anthony Hopkins or Tony. Well, I don't remember the first meeting because I didn't. somebody had to tell me that we had met, yeah. and I didn't really know it. But when I was playing Ophelia at the National Theatre mm -hmm. and Peter O'Toole was playing Hamlet, because I was older as an actress than most Ophelia's, she's usually played by a younger actress, so Sir Lawrence, who was the director, uh, designated me as a lady-in-waiting in the court. Yes. So I was then, as an actor, uh, in the court scenes. Ophelia mm -hmm. normally isn't in the court scenes. 
-hmm. not with the crowd and things. So anyway, I was in the court. But I was told that in the court scenes, um, both Michael Gambon and uh, Tony were... Spear carriers. Spear carriers. Yes, yes, and they I, were standing in the background. <laughs> well, he, he did all right, didn't he? But I never got to meet them <laughs> that I knew, because yeah, uh, the show yes. only ran for 11 weeks, yes. because um, Peter's contract, he'd just done Lawrence of Arabia, yeah. and, and uh, his contract for the play ran out. So well, we, yeah, we're playing, I uh, guess you might say we're playing game name here, you know, around Barter Theater, there's Gregory Peck, who started here, Ned Beatty, you say Beatty or Ned Beatty, did you run across him? He passed away recently. Yes, I didn't did, know him, yes, no. Yes. I didn't like that film, Deliverance. Though. Oh, yes, and that's, uh, oh, oh, yes. He specialized, they, they tell me, we have a an actor who does a lot of plays at Barter, Eugene Wolf. And they tell me that Ned was as popular, and Eugene has been on my show, and I'm sure people who are listening today will be able to relate to that, that, that Ned was as popular as Eugene Wolf is today, and, Eugene, and because he knew everybody in town mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. so forth. Well, other actors and actresses that you worked with that, I know you mentioned Marlon Brando, he called you one time. <laughs> yes. Talk a little bit about that. Well, out of the blue, um, I had just moved <clears throat> to Winston-Salem, so I was, li I, was I was living with, we were married, and I was living with John in the oldest house in Old Salem, built in 1768, mm -hmm. which John was renting, and we had this lovely basset hound puppy, and so early in the morning I took Bella, she was named after Bella Spiewak, mm -hmm. of course, and I took Bella for a walk, and when I came back, the phone was ringing, and I picked it up. It was about, not that early, still 8 o'clock in the morning. And I picked it up, and um, somebody said, is that Rosemary Harris? And, and I said, yes. And he said, this is Marlon Brando. <laughs> and I felt like, I said, well, this is Puss in Boots, you know. <laughs> and um, I, he, I said, where are you? He said, I'm, I'm in California. I said, what time is it? And he said it was about five o'clock in the morning, uh, which it was out there. And then he said, well, the reason why I'm calling you is because I'm slated to do a film with a countrywoman of yours, and I really don't want to do it or, mm -hmm. or work with her. Or I don't know what excuse he made, but he said, I, I don't want to do it. Well, the long and short of it is I said I don't want to do it either mm -hmm. because it was the part of a wronged wife Mm -hmm. And I had just been so happily married. I, didn't, I wasn't about to sort of play a wife that had a straying husband. It, wasn't, it didn't appeal to me at all. And uh, so I said, well, thanks, but I won't. I'll pass on it, but thanks so much for asking me. And then later on, he turned down the whole film altogether. He obviously didn't want to do oh, it from the beginning oh, because he was very, very involved with the Indian, the, the uh -huh. American Indians. Oh, yes. Do you remember? Yes, he, I remember he, that. He went yes, to, he was adv yeah, he, advocating and so on. I, yeah. I think he was trained uh, here in the United States. I forget where he did his uh, training to be an actor. Was it at, uh, in, it was in New York City at the... Uh, was it the actor's... It was before I, the actor's studio. Oh, that's what I was it? wondering. The actor's studio trained so many yes, really fine it, actors. It and, might have uh, been about the same, concurrently yeah. maybe... 
I don't know quite when the actor studio started, but but I think you had a combination of both because you had London, the London training, mm -hmm. and then you had the stage, mm -hmm. and then you had the films that you did as well. Yeah. Do you recall? Are there some passages that stand in? I'm going to ask you about being Spider-Man's aunt in a minute, <laughs> Aunt May, because I love the dialogue when you are talking with Spider-Man and you're giving him some advice. Do you remember that scene? And, and you're telling him why he's a hero and why it's important to have heroes. Yes, well, there were two places. There was one place where I was telling him that he did too much. You know, he mm -hmm. was coming to visit me in the hospital and he was doing his homework and he was doing that. And then at the end of it, I said, you're not Superman, you know. <laughs> I love that. And this was when the neighbor boy, Henry, came over. <laughs> and he came over, you were moving, and you were. And Spider-Man was debating whether to continue to be Spider-Man. And uh -huh. remember the advice you gave him about the importance of having heroes? Yes, yeah, yeah. so what was that? I'll have to think for a moment. Um, that, yeah, there's a hero in all of us. Yes, there's a hero in all of us. Yes. And sometimes to help people, we give up, we yeah, give up some yeah, of our dreams. Yeah, yeah. All right. Was, I, I just loved mm -hmm. playing that part. Absolutely, so and your favorite? Would you? Which was your one of your favorite plays? I'm sure many of them. You know, <sighs> well, it's hard to say. Hard to say. I have so many favorites. You enjoyed doing I love uh, comedy. I loved mm -hmm. doing Neil Simon plays. Oh yes. You know, I did Lost in Yonkers twice. Oh yes, and you know that it premiered here in Winston. Yes, I went to see it. Really? Yes, and I talked to the young man who played the older boy. Mm -hmm. And he came to visit me here not so long ago. I told him to come and talk to me. And, and he came by to see yeah. you. Well, you're such a gracious uh, person to have me into your home, and, and you're so open to people, and I really, really appreciate that so much. Um, in terms of Shakespeare, which, as I point out to you, I really need to be educated on, but I did do something uh, in Macbeth, you know, in high school and so on, but um, what uh, your Shakespeare plays, what stands out in your mind? Which ones did you really rate? Do you loved them all, but what, what role? Well, uh, the comedy, of course, comedy. is always my favorite. And so Beatrice in Much Ado About Nothing yes. is, is a great yes. role. And I've done that in three different productions, I think, and oh. have enjoyed every one of them. Um, I think she's my favorite. I just love her. Um, so, so comedy, the Shakespeare comedies are the ones that you... you yes, well, I've Midsummer been, Night's Dream comes to yes, mind. Yes, and I've played Titania. Yes. Um, and I've loved doing that. Yeah, I've, I've loved all the Shakespeare, but, but, but Ophelia, of course, is a sad role. And, um, and Desdemona is even sadder because she, she gets strangled. Oh, my goodness, yes. But you, you, did, you, you did so much of Shakespeare... Would you, and you were trained as a Shakespearean actress or actor, would you say? Well, so, so. yes, I didn't, not at drama right. school. Right. I managed to escape doing any Shakespeare mm -hmm. just by chance. I didn't, yes. I wasn't lucky enough to get into those classes. But when I got offered the job at the Bristol Old Vic, there were three big Shakespearean roles I was offered. And um, I didn't know where to start. So I called up this wonderful um, teacher that had been with me at my at the Royal Academy and I called her and I said can you help me I've got this great job and she said yeah come on over and she lived in a three-flight walk-up 
um, in, in London, and she said simply, say it like this. She sat in a big wheel, wing chair, and I sat at her feet, and she helped me. So I really loved. She 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 opened the door for me opened to Shakespeare. Yes. And I found yes. it was rather than running beside the horse, I was absolute. I was a, able to get into the saddle. <laughs> Absolutely, I love it, folks. We've been talking with Rosemary Harris today on Poets and Writers, and it's just a thrill to have her on. Uh, just a wonderful actor or actress, as you know and has played so many roles and so much a part of our lives. And, and now she's, you know, we, she's in North Carolina. She loves Mitchell County over there in the Roan Mountain. And, and I just think that she is someone to uh, cherish. So thank you for being on Poets and Writers today. Thank you for having me. I've loved, you know, most actors love talking about themselves. And <laughs> <laughs> so I, I thank you very much. Thank you. And this is Henry McCarthy saying, do not wait up for me. Do not be afraid to stay or still away. I'm going out to write a poem and watch the children play. Oh.